Well, one thing I have found out is that God just does things that are absolutely incredible and things also that I still haven't figured out. Even though sometimes we would like to have some quick answers to everything. Pastors asked that I would share or continue to share with the theme of God answers. God does answer prayer. There's too much scripture in the word. There's too many examples of it happening. But one thing that we do have to do is also discover how all that works. If you'll look with me in Psalms chapter 9115. If you're on your phone, if I don't know if any of you still bring the printed book or not, but uh, if not, then find it on your phone, mark it, remember it during the week. Psalms 91.15, when they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. John 15.7, but if you remain in me and my Words remain in you. You may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. I do have to say that every time that I read the word but in the Scripture, my ears prick up. There's a lot going on right after that. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would today give us a heart to hear. And may the words that you have placed in my heart be those that will bring health and healing and life and abundance in every one of us. For God, we know that you have called us to be a church together that is able to reach the needs of people around us. And I give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't know why God made life so difficult. Well, I guess he didn't. He made it up off of Awfully nice, perfect. Everything was available. There were no problems. There were no difficulties. And yet sin began to really, really destroy mankind. And it still is working to do that today. We've had a lot of ideas uh, that have floated even through the church. Do you remember the time when the name it and claim it was so much in vogue and everybody was all you have to do is declare to God what you want and God was kind of obligated to do it for you. Then I think about Job. I don't think Job had the slightest idea of what was going on. You see, we live in this world but yet our spiritual lives are involved in another world. And that world is one that is doing everything it can to stop you from receiving from God what God has promised to you. Job was going through this situation, tough, difficult. And a lot of times we as individuals, we say, God, why? Why am I, what's happening? What's going on? And yet God is still working to produce valuable things in us that we were not even aware we had or were available to us. When we begin to really seek after God, we will find out that God has some requirements for us. Number one is first we must have a right relationship with God. I mean, seriously, a right kind of relationship. We like relationships with people. We like to get along. We like our friends. The relationships of life are the things that make life so special uh, and enjoyable. 
But when we don't have a good relationship with someone, we really don't want to see them very often, right? <laughs> We'd like to just kind of leave that off to one side. First John 1, 8 and 9 says, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. There's so many examples in the Bible of people that began to miss what God wanted in their life and how that it took them down the wrong path. And the further they got on this path, the worst, the, 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 the worst things got until they were unable to ever, ever find a right relationship with God until they came to the realization that the problem was them. Now, this is not an easy message necessarily to, to, to preach, but I have to declare the problem is not God's. I, I, I'd like for you, to, you know, God's got problems. He really does. Look at your neighbor. You're looking at one of God's problems. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, I mean, the whole thing that, that God is trying to do is get us to the place where he can do what he said in his word he would do. This is, what is why it's so important that we really let our lives be cleansed by his spirit, get all of this wickedness and everything else out, and really set an example in our world. Now, we've got a lot of, of examples even today, not just in the scriptures. I think I told you about Solomon, you know, how that Solomon, one of the wisest men, blessed of God in every way, and yet because of his lack of willingness to follow after the things of God, God became very angry with him at the end of his life because he had lost his relationship. Number two is, am I doing what God asked me to do? 1 John 3, 22 says, And we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey. <laughs> One of the toughest things I think that parents have with their children, teaching them to obey. One of the toughest things that God has with us is teaching us to obey. We are born with a spirit of rebellion because of sin. As you know, rebellion was the cause of the first sin in the universe. Rebel against God. God hates rebellion. And when we do not do what God asks, it is rebelling against the authority of God. But when we begin to line ourselves up with God, things begin to happen in a different way. Our children come to us and, and they ask, and, or sometimes we ask them to do something uh, uh, that they want. Uh, they, they want us to do things for them, but they're not willing to do what we have asked of them. And when that happens... It begins to create in, in, a, in the atmosphere and everything around the house and everything else is affected by this response. Because when we do not obey what God is wanting, even when children disobey their parents, 
they begin to create an atmosphere that creates a lot of energy drain out of everything around us. Also, am I willing to follow God's will for my life, living in God's will? 1 John 5, 14 says, And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. One thing is we need to understand that a lot of our requests and wants are not things that God's pleased with, that God wants our life to have. He wants us to have full life. He wants us to have every blessing that is possible, everything to happen for us. But we also have to do things that please God. When we do not please God, we set ourselves up for the enemy to be able to move in and take over a part of our life. The devil wants peace, but he wants a piece of your joy. He wants a piece of your happiness. He wants a piece of everything of you that he can possibly take away. And he'll do everything he can to begin to divide you up into little pieces and cause your life to become ineffective. And therefore, when you pray, things don't begin to happen. We want it to happen. We believe that God has said in his word that it would take place. And yet there's so many things that we have to do that are before that we can uh, get an answer from God. Some people pray and pray and pray. Now, this... Life is much more than just a religion, or, or, or prayer and fasting is much more than just a religious activity. It is a communication with the God of the universe, and that we have to be able to allow the Holy Spirit to perfect in us the image of Christ. Now, number two, one way to get answered prayer is we must forgive others. Mark eleven twenty four through 25 says... I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you uh, believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Again, the word "but." Listen to it. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your heavenly Father, or Father in heaven, will forgive your sins too. We want God to do it. We believe God can do it, but we do not want to let him straighten us up. We like the way we are. I want to hold a grudge. I don't like this person. I have anger issues. I have this. I mean, there may be reasons why and very valid reasons why that you are feeling like you feel, but even when you feel a certain way does not necessarily mean that it is God's way for your life. We have to let him work through all of those issues until we are able to forgive every single person that we are holding a grudge against or we feel any kind of ill will before that God can give to us what we are asking for. Hebrews 12, 14 through 17. It says, work at getting along with each other and with God. Otherwise, you'll never so much as get a glimpse of God. And this is in the message, by the way, in case this does not sound like a translation you are accustomed to. Make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. 
A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. Watch out for the Esau syndrome, trading, uh, trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. You will know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing, but then it was too late, tears or no tears. Needing things from God is just a part of life. Like I said in the beginning, it was all there. It was provided. The devil took all of that away from us. And now we must come back to that relationship where we can hear the voice of God. I believe that it is possible for every single born-again believer to hear God's voice. This is not just open to a few select individuals who supposedly are called, such as pastors or evangelists or teachers or anyone else. Every single one of us have the ability to have a very clear voice of God giving direction in our life. Most important, if it's not there and you find yourself wandering around in the maze of lost or mediocrity or just kind of not understanding, knowing where you need to go, then it is time that we begin to really let the Holy Spirit fill us so that when we uh, pray, things begin to happen. Isaiah 1, 15 through 16 says, when you put on your next prayer performance, <laughs> this is also from the message, I'll be looking the other way. No matter how long or loud or often you pray, I'll not be listening. And do, you, uh, and do you know why? Because you've been tearing people to pieces and your hands are bloody. Go home and wash up. Clean up your act. Sweep your life clean of, ev of your evil doings so that I don't have to look at them any longer. Say no to wrong. We come running to God, 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 I need you, I need this, I want this, Lord, I need this. And God says, oh, my goodness, look at the mess. <laughs> Tell your kids, go clean the room. Then they come out a little while, I, I need this. And you go in their room, and the mess is still there. It's all the way it was left. My kids had a, a habit for a while. And I discovered it is I would ask them to go clean their room, and then we would go do whatever they were wanting to do. I discovered that they just shoved it under the bed. <laughs> A lot of times I think we as Christians do the same thing. We try to hide it away from view, and whether or not people around you see what's going on in your life, God is looking under the bed. He's looking into the corners of your closets and all of these kinds of things. He is wanting us to keep our lives clean in every area that we are uh, in, no matter what it is. Keep it clean. Don't let the enemy tear you down by letting sin become an attraction that draws you away. And we're not going to get into all of the kinds of things the enemy uses to lure us with because there are so many of them that where we begin to focus our eyes more on things around us than we do on the one goal that God has asked us to keep very, very clear in mind. And that is 
the prize that is the final waiting when we stand before him. And he is able to say, you cleaned your room up. Thank you. You did it. What I, you did what I asked. Now, there's another area that's very important that I think we need to really look at as well, and that's found in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. Okay? I think a lot of times we are hampered in our life simply because we don't do what we're supposed to in our marriage relationship. Marriage is one of the most sacred things that God has entrusted to man. Seriously. And we have to be extremely cautious in every area that we do not violate what God has said was so important to him. He said it, marriage is kind of like Christ in the church. I mean, is that important to him? He, he designed it. He planned it. And the enemy wants nothing more than to tear it apart. But we have to follow him in order to be able to be released from all of it. Number three. One of the things that God does want from us is that we learn how to give. Proverbs 13, uh, 21, 13 says, Those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need. One thing I appreciate about Trilogy, a lot of things I appreciate about Trilogy, but the willingness to share, to help, the food drives, all of these kinds of things that have gone on but let us make sure that we personally are also involved. It's a whole lot more than placing a sack of food in a person's hand that has need. I believe that one of the things that is required of us is that we stay with them until the pain goes away. Seriously. It's not a moment of here, but it is here again and here again and here again until they can come to the place where they can stand on their own and they begin to touch the lives of other people around them. Isaiah 58, 6 through 9 says, No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who have need, uh, who need them, and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will heal quickly. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, I'm here, and he will quickly reply. We are responsible for everybody that touches our life. <laughs> Seriously. No matter whether it's brief seconds or moments or anything else, we are responsible for them. We need to touch the lives of people. There, people may not, you know, they may be dressed well. They may look okay. Everything seems to be fine. 
But until they have a relationship with God that is absolutely open and pure and clean, you are responsible to help them. This is what gets God's attention. When you get out of yourself, and uh, if you were with us on, um, on Friday, uh, we get out of the me day and we begin to recognize that it, everything is not about what uh, the world calls me. Uh, even though on, on Friday we were talking about cleaning ourselves up and getting us ready for God to work. But to focus on you, the people that touch our life. I don't care how it comes or where they come from. We are responsible for them to share our life with them until they are able to find strength and power and authority in the name of Jesus, and then God will come and answer. I'd like for God to just do it without making me have to do anything else. But he didn't, like, he didn't design it that way. Another thing that sometimes hinders our prayers is what do we want and why do we want it? The motive. Praying for something, a good thing, with a wrong motive is not acceptable. We need to pray according to the will of God. James 4, verses 1 through 3 says, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. As you know, a lot of our life has been spent in big crusades, uh, small crusades, anything, anywhere just to preach the gospel and have people come and, and, and need prayer. They need prayer. But sometimes I, I, especially for the believer, why do you want to be healed? Because I don't want to feel bad. Okay, and that's, that sounds good, sounds nice. God, I, I'd like to be healed because I, I, I don't want to feel bad. I want to be able to enjoy life in this particular area or this thing that's happening. And there are some times that God lets us go through situations as 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, and I don't know if I gave that to you or not over there, but God lets us go through these circumstances of life and he walks with us and he helps us. Now, this is a, a, an expanded translation of that scripture. Look it up. So that when others are going through that same thing, you are able to help them. So sometimes ask God, why? God, why? Why am I? Do I need to wait on you? Do I need to let you perform certain things, make things to happen? And sometimes we want it so that it is only something to satisfy us. I remember the day when, like I mentioned earlier, the name it and claim it. I walked into some, some people's homes, and they would have plastered all over their refrigerator. 
yachts, vacation spots, all kinds of things. He said, what is all this about? He said, oh, we're claiming this. God's going to give us these kinds of things. <laughs> I never, ever walked into a home where I saw pictures of the hungry world and the need out there for the gospel of Christ. When this becomes our motivating factor, when this is what we do, God begins to perk up his ears. He begins to look at what's going on. He begins to realize that we are really serious about that. God will give us an answer. Believe that God will answer. James 1, 5 through 7 says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, again, that word, I don't know, but every time I bump into that word in the Scripture, I have to stop and see, okay, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown, uh, blown and tossed by the wind. When such people should not expect to receive anything from God. Sorry. <laughs> I wish we'd just say all you have to do is say it today and it's yours tomorrow. But one thing is we have to know that God is going to give us when we, uh, the, what we desire and what we have need of whenever we put into practice what we have. Now, how did David know that Goliath was going to fall? I think there's a couple of things that happened in David's life that led to his trust. There was a lion and a bear one time that tried to steal some sheep. Now, David wasn't just sitting there on the rock praying, oh, God. Spare the sheep. He'd been practicing on tin cans <laughs> or whatever they had back then, clay pots, <laughs> over and over and over again. And he knew that when he swung his sling, it was going to hit the mark. This is so important. We can sit by and say, oh, God, do it, and yet God is saying... But first, you need to learn how to handle the situation. Goliath fell, definitely did. But David hit him in the only place that Goliath was vulnerable. They were covered in every spot. It was not an accident. It was not just, well, it, it, it did something here that was kind of strange and unusual. No, David knew that right here was the only spot on the entire helmet, all of the face covering, everything of his body armor, and we need to know where the enemy's weak spot is, and we need to nail him right there and declare the victory in the name of Jesus. You may have to stand up. You may have your knees shaking. You may be at that point where you say, God, if you don't show up, I'm dead, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to fight this battle. I'm going to win in the name of Jesus. Hebrews 11.6 says, 
And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. God also has timing. Bible says, wait on the Lord. Now, folks, this isn't Burger King. Okay? It's not your way right away. <laughs> it's a nice slogan, and I'm not criticizing Burger King for their slogan, but I'm just saying that sometimes we get this idea, God, snap to. Come on. This is now. It's had to happen. Wait on the Lord implies to me that um, the term waiter. You ever been to a restaurant and the wait staff was just absolutely lousy? Never refilled your glass. They didn't come by and ask if you need anything else. They just kind of ignored you there. One thing I, I really enjoyed, there was a place in Nicaragua that we would go maybe once a year, and the waiter stood with folded white napkins over their arm right by your table, not interfering. But I mean the slightest little thing. You dropped a fork. You did something. They were there instantly, and they picked it up, and they got you a fresh one. Wait on the Lord, I believe, means that we just stand there. God, what can I do for you? How can I help you? What is your need? What? I'm just here. Just let me know. Let me know anything. It does not matter what it is. My wife and I for years uh, had a, a theme, and that was anything, anytime, anywhere. Also read it later on the back of a truck for a trucking company. Anything, anytime, anywhere. And when we're waiting on God, it does not mean that we're standing there just restless and impatient and, okay, God, okay, God, come on, God, I'm, I'm, my patience is wearing out. No, it just means wait on Him. Do what God needs to have done, and then you will begin to find the answers Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 says, and this is from the Living Bible, write my answer on a billboard, large and clear, so that anyone can read it at a glance and rush to tell others. But these things won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. <coughs> okay, I'm patient. <laughs> they will not be overdue a single day. What are you asking God for? What do you need answers to? Wait on the Lord. Start asking God, God, what can I do to bless you? What can I do to help you? You say, God doesn't need any help. Yes, he does. God needs you more than you could ever imagine. 
He knows our limitations. And you know, somebody sent me something one time that has really helped me, and it said, God took into account my stupidity before he asked me to do the job. <laughs> I thought, okay, yeah. But in spite of all of the ignorance and inability, when God asks, I can assure you God will give you the energy, the knowledge, the understanding, the wisdom, everything that needs to go along with it. The only thing that God is waiting for is for us to accept the challenge and move forward. Jeremiah 29, 11, we all know it well. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Over one more time again, if, but, when we do this. I want to challenge you. Don't let the enemy cause anxiety, impatience, frustration, uh, all kinds of things creep in when you're asking God for something. This prayer time is a time when we are saying, God, here am I. Send me. Let me run the errand. Let me be the one to do it. You find a person that has need, climb up on the back of your chair or whatever you have to do to wave and get attention and say, I am here. Let me do this. We want answers, but God is looking for people who are willing to go and make it happen. When God uses us, when God begins to work through our life, we begin to see things in a whole different light. Pray, yes. Ask God for wisdom. Seek God. But above all, be available for God to use you. Be patient and wait. There's a chorus, and I'm going to embarrass myself, but I have to sing it a lot of times to myself. And if you know it, sing it with me. It's an old song from the Scripture. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, to wait. Just wait. And while you're doing it, feed the hungry. Give hope to the homeless and the helpless and those that can't do it. Just fulfill the plan that God has by doing what He wants. And then when you call, God said, I'm here. What do you need? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that today you have given us opportunity to gather again in your house to share life as a family, to share life as individuals called and anointed by you. And I pray, Father, that you will grant to us today a greater understanding of how 
to find answers. For God, and if you never answer my prayer, I'm here to do whatever you need. I'm yours. So I pray, God, that you will anoint us as a church. Help us to be the church that you need to touch the lives of people around us. I thank you for it, and I'm so glad that you have given us strength and you renew us day by day. I give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen.